Welcome to the Music Talk podcast with me, Graham Farmer. In this series of conversations, I interview some of the biggest artists, DJs, and producers in the world. I hope you enjoy this series. Let's get into it. Hello. How are you? How's your week, how's your week going? Uh, yeah, it's actually uh, it's, been, it's been good so far. Uh, just catching up after ADE, Halloween, the summer season. Um, and yeah, sort of just looking forward to having a bit of break at Christmas. So you're based in Ibiza, yep. Yes, I am indeed. This is going to be fun on the. I can't believe we've only got into the Ibiza internet. Like, like we've 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 swerved that one so far. Holy shit! <laughs> uh, we saw your ADE. How was your ADE, and what was your kind of focus for your ADE? ADE, I thought was great this year. It's great to go back, finally catch up with everyone. It's been a couple of years, really, since I was last there. Really good fun. Very intense because so many people were so keen to be back there. Uh, catch up with a lot of people could have done with it being either two weeks or having a couple of clones myself to go around catch up with everybody yeah it was uh it was very fun packed and crazy packed and intense but very good um for me the focal point there was really was a bit of a change uh, compared to my normal style there because normally i'd be there in a more dj context and obviously, post-pandemic, that's kind of changed for me. Now running most of the labels, so I'm not really playing so much anymore. So it's more of a catch-up with people that I've been dealing with for the last two years via emails and Zoom and actually see them in person uh, and catch up with a few other new contacts. It was just, um, yeah, it was really enjoyable. That's great. Before we get into anything serious, on all my streams, we have a, because they're lunchtime, a, a way, way back last year, we started, we basically started talking about meal deals. You know, the kind of Tesco, Sainsbury's, I know you've been to the UK, you're from the UK, obviously, those kind of combo sandwich lunch, what, with, we get all, all of our guests to tell us what their, fa- what their lunchtime meal deal is, if they have a meal deal. Well, I mean, I'd say for me, normally, every time I come back to the UK, normally sort of traveling around this time. So we'd normally be straight to like W.A. Smith and get yes. uh, a, a chicken sandwich with a water to try and rehydrate after the night before. Chicken sandwich <laughs> to soak up any alcohol that's still flying around the system and probably a Coca-Cola as well for a bit of sugar. <laughs> oh, yeah. My my my, oh, my my old hangover one was definitely the chicken sandwich. Chicken sandwich, quavers, and, and yeah, definitely kind of water. Straight in there. Hydrate, baby. <laughs> That's it. Right, let's get cracking. So for those who don't know who you are, can you just give us a kind of rundown of what you do and who you are and kind of introduce it to the gang in the chat? Okay. Uh, so my name's Graham Sahara. Uh, I've been living in Ibiza since 97. I uh, came here looking for work as a DJ, found some, and I've stayed here ever since. I uh, spent 20 years up until the pandemic as a resident of Pasha. Uh, here and then I've played at pretty much every single venue on the island except Amnesia, which hopefully I'll change <laughs> one day. And then since that, I've, I've now moved in to doing label management, which I now oh, I just work from home and then just run all the, the labels here in my studio. So there'd be people such as Eat Everything, Melee, Sidney Charles, Zito, Archie Hamilton, Art Bat, Jonas Blue, Snake Hips, Marco Farroni, Mason Collective. I try not to forget anybody. There's probably uh, Fidelis as well. There's a lot of them. Um, I should open up my spreadsheet so I don't forget anyone and embarrass myself. But yeah, so I do that now. Still live here on the island. Yeah, I've made a lot of tracks over over the years. Not so many now since I've had kids because uh, it's a bit more difficult if you've suddenly got to drop everything and, and feed a baby or, or change a nappy or whatever. It's quite difficult when you're in the groove and that groove is gone. So 
Um, yeah. yeah, so that part of me sort of finished now. Um, but yeah, I've had like Beatport number ones, Crack Source number ones, uh, iTunes number ones over the years. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's gone, it's been a good career so far. And now sort of moving into something different, more into the labels and the daytime and not so much of a hungover life. <laughs> I bet that's nice. It's very nice not to be, uh, feeling rough for about five months I bet, I bet that's very nice i bet it's more productive for starters yeah i mean i did spend like a couple of years i spent a few years actually where i completely stopped drinking it did make life a little bit easier you know but then you do play a little bit differently when you're djing and you're completely straight cold sober and not on the same not exactly the same vibe as everyone else you will change the way that you play uh mm. or so i'm told um but you know uh it, yeah it is, it's it's when you're here and you've got literally, like, say, five months of people, like, you come over for a week, go for a week, someone else turns up for a week, then goes away, and then it's literally like that all summer long, and they all want to go out and party, they all want to have dinner, they all want to have drinks, uh, they all want to go DC10, et cetera, and, you know, the liver by the end of five months is it's really struggling. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, you only think about your time in and out, don't you? You're like flipping out. Wow, that's mental. How was the summer this summer in Ibiza? It was really good, actually. I thought it was great to see everybody back again. We had a lot of a lot of changes, if I'm honest. You know, normally we'd have people like Cocoon and that doing like the bigger clubs. Then this year we're doing things like Pikes or Akasha. Then we had like people like Michael Bibby, Solid Groove, Patrick Topping. You know, sort of starting their own nights. So we've almost had um, a change of the guard here, which which has been nice to see some refreshing new talent and uh, new artists sort of breaking through to what I would describe now is more of a, you know, much more in a more commercial arena, not in commercial in the sand, but in a more, you know, you're, you're competing against the biggest names and people are competing to get 5,000 people through the door on an island where you can fit about 300,000 people. Uh, and you've got like about 18 big venues here. So they're all competing against each other. So, you know, to get those numbers through the door, if you're doing those numbers and you've got a new name coming through that's doing that, I think it's great to see. Uh, rather than just relying on the same old, same old. Uh, the island's been busy. And yeah, yeah, it's been good. You know, there's been a lot of changes. Hearts changed and it's now called Club Chinua. You know, we, we've just, there's lots of little changes and people have just opened up again. You've got places like Nui as well, like small underground places, because that is still alive here, even though you don't hear about it. It's been, it's been good. It's been a good, uh, it's been a really good year. Positive. That that's mental. The kind of you're like you're saying new talents to the island, but then but then it's obviously the the bigger names for the rest where you're kind of thinking that's a big name the rest of, but then the new talents to the island because they're then able to sell that amount sell you know five thousand tickets, but it's still new talents to the island against the established acts yeah. like the Cole Coxes, which is this is crazy. Like you you get to so level, and then and then you're still new talent compared to where the next level is. You know, that's well, crazy. new talent in the headliner state, should we? Yeah, say, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know who these guys are. But when, you know, we're obviously, we're industry people, we know who they are. And then you, you start speaking to people, you know, maybe like my son, who's now at the age who wants to go out, or my wife, or, you know, your, your cousin, things like that. They probably wouldn't know who these people are, you know. So now yeah, yeah. these guys are taking through that they that's what I meant about sort of on a, yeah, a, you know, a, a commercial level, you know, that people will now know who these people are and like they are going to start filling clubs and it's great that these people have got that opportunity no i completely agree yeah and i got i kind of yeah i get that kind of yeah you're they're now big enough that you're now your mum and your nan and those sort of people come and names you know which is excellent it's great to see it means it means the scene's evolving 
uh, and it's not going to stagnate and sort of um, wither away, you know. In, in my time here, when I first got here, you had things like Ministry of Sound, Death Mix, uh, and things like that when I first came, you know, in God's Kitchens and stuff. Then we've sort of moved from there, and we've gone into more your Solomons. Obviously, Defected's still a, a constant. Um, you know, we used to have Cream, but now we've got, you know, we had the sort of Solomons and, yeah, sort of the massive era, DC-10, you know, Circa Loco and things like that, Cocoon. You know, now we've moved sort of, we're progressing through them. We're sort of almost getting to a third sort of generation since I've been here of, of sort of headline names. That's mental. That's mental. And, is, and I was wondering, before we get into the kind of label stuff, I just wanted to kind of talk about the kind of DJing in Ibiza. Like, is it still possible for somebody to come out and get gigs? Is it still possible for somebody, like someone said, like, well, somebody in our chat goes, I want to go and play in Ibiza. What advice would you give them and where to start? If you're looking to get like a gig, say, at a Pasha or an Amnesia and things like that, that is a real tough ask because the people that they book there now, they're, because of the amount of competition that there is, they are looking for people who are going to ship tickets, you know, pure and simple. You know, even if you're not like the headliner, but you'll say maybe opening, they still want you to try and be able to bring your, your name's going to count for something and shift a load of tickets. But uh, if you wanted to play it somewhere a bit smaller, you know, more than that sort of resident vibe, if you... To do it, you need to spend a bit of time here and get to know people. Uh, I, I've had people over the time sort of like DM me on Instagram and say, can you hook me up with a gig? And it's like, well, not really, no, because if it's a gig going, I'm going to do it for myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can't really be hitting people up and asking them to sort you out a gig uh, unless yeah. you know that person very well. You know, you've got to be here, you've got to be in it to win it, and you've got to do basically what I did when I first came, is go around all the bars and everywhere like that and get to know people, get your foot through the door, have a gig somewhere here and there, and it takes time. It doesn't. You don't just instantly walk in and become a resident of Mambo or Savannah or somewhere like that. You know, there's already a large list of people there. So you've just got to spend time here, take your time, and, and get around and speak to people. It's not good if you're shy. <laughs> It's it's all, it's almost like you've got to go one summer to go and do all the networking to line up for the following summer. Yes. I mean, it's quite a lot of people here. You'll meet in the winter, and the next summer, you see them the next summer, and they're absolutely flying because if you're here in the winter, you'll meet all the people that you need to know to get the gigs from in the summer. So if you rock up in July, it's a lot more tougher off to get gigs because someone like lives here or has been here early doors would have already steamrolled straight in there. That's great. Okay, cool. So yeah, if you want to get out of there, you've got to go early and get and build that network, which is pretty much the same as everything. But it's good to hear it again and again. I, I, always. Yeah, it's always it's always getting to know people. It's all about who you know. And I, and that's the same with labels, I guess. Um, and obviously, I've known you from running label running labels back from blooming seamless records days. That that's a long time ago. Let's talk about your what you're doing today. So you're running the labels for these artists, as you mentioned before. There's some big names there, dude. Congrats. Thank you. So yeah, I mean, basically, what I'm doing is, is, is for these guys. And, you know, generally they're on they're on tour all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, especially this, some of these guys have had a hectic schedule because obviously they've been doing gigs where they've had to do the gigs that maybe they've got a deposit for, been paid for in 2020, going to do in 2021, got cancelled again. So now it's 2022. So basically, they've been trying to do like three years worth of gigs in one summer, which I know has been really, really punishing for them. Um, you know, obviously go. You know, yeah, they've earned money and things like that, but obviously maybe not as much as people think because it's probably already been paid over the last few years, but it's just been non-stop for them from gig to gig to gig to gig. But obviously if they're doing that, they, they, they don't really have the time to sit and coordinate all the, the back end of what goes on with, with labels. You know, doing all the registering uh, of, of the tracks, making sure 
that you've got the marketing plans, dealing with the distributors, coordinating the promos, making sure the socials are all sorted, up to date, making sure that someone's doing that. There's a lot more than just, right, we're just going to pump this out for our promo. You know, there's a lot, lot more to it to make a label a success, etc. So, you know, they can't do that if they're constantly sat on, a, on an aeroplane or hungover or in the club. So, you know, that's what I do for them. I'll go through the tracks for them to start off with, like as a pre-A&R, because I know I've played with a lot of these guys anyway over the years. So I will know what their sound is and I know what a good track is. So I will go through it and then go, right, I think you should check these ones out. Let me know what you think. And then they can go through and just pick down the ones that they really definitely want to have on the label. And then uh, and then I just jump back in and do the rest. That's cool. That's really cool. Are you are you planning the strategies for the labels kind of releases as well? Are they are, are they are they similar across the board? Or are they each one's different? Or are they doing it themselves? I mean, they are similar, but they're not all the same because uh, they're not all the same sounds. So some of them, you know, I think right that one would be a good one, sort of slightly more USy flavor to it. That'd be a good one to launch maybe around Miami. This one's got more of a summer sunshine feel. Maybe that's better for a beta time. This one maybe is going to be good for more of an Australian or South American market. Let's do that. Well, in our in what would be our winter. Um, because obviously they're going to have a lot more summer parties down there, and, you know, and then it's just working out what the sound of each country, what, you know, cause each country's got a lot of um, their own sort of sound. Uh, you know, you think, oh, that's a, that's a US record, that's a bit more of an Aussie record, that's more of a Dutchy record. You know, everyone's got their own sort of slight little twist and flavour. It's a case of thinking, right, how can we make that work with that market where the artist's best sound are or the best things, just coordinating that and just making it fit for the record, for the label and within the budget, more importantly. <laughs> There's a big one, in the budget, yes. Yeah. What is your budget? Uh, budget? <laughs> <laughs> you mean we've got to spend money? Holy moly. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. It's not always easy, you know, but people always want everything, you know, the maximum. But, you know, if you want the maximum, you've got to put your money where the mouth is. Um, you know, you can't rely on one person doing everything globally. Uh, that just doesn't work. <laughs> this must take a lot of balancing from your end. How, how are you balancing the kind of the, like, do you have certain days for certain things? How are you balancing that kind of management of all those labels? Because that's a lot of labels. Like, just from the list that I put on Facebook earlier, there's lots. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got a, as the time has gone on and it's grown, I've just developed into a system of, right, this is what, that's what the distributor needs on what day. So that gets done every day, well, every week religiously, like doing reports for people, uh, collating weekend plays, radio plays, and everything like that. So you can grow records and that gets religiously done on a Monday. And then other days of the week, I will be like, right, this day, oh, that's the best day to pitch for radio plays for the next coming week. This day, I'll sort out contracts. I'll sort out other things, have meetings with, with people normally during like today, like a Wednesday. And then Friday's release day. So it's all uh, making sure everything's gone correctly, being everything's uploaded, make sure the socials are done, everything, making sure everything's all just, you know, being done right. Update Spotify playlist, making sure that's done. You know, it's just I've got a very specific, rigid week, which I try not to uh, break, which is very difficult in the summer when people want to come over and go out for a jolly up midweek. I'll be like, not a charm. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I can't afford to be hit over. <laughs> Yeah, do you know, I feel the same. I, I can't afford, at the moment, I just can't afford to be, you know, any down on anything because I need to just keep driving forward. So I hear you, man, on that. Holy moly. Yeah, I mean, you can do it maybe on a Friday so you can be fresh by Monday again. <laughs> yeah. Holy moly. And that must have been a different, ch difficult check because obviously from previous summers, you would have been out and about and this, this summer must have been 
tough for you? Yeah, it, it has been a bit strange. I love, I mean, I've probably missed no end of people who've been over, but that's why I've probably not been so much on the socials as well. Either it's because I'm too busy working, and then obviously I get a, bus, a lot of messages. Not that I'm trying to avoid people, but you know, the, the, the it's, it's it's a case of trying to stay out of temptation's way rather than avoid mm. the people themselves. Because you know, I've, I've, obviously, I want to be able to catch up with people, but you know, I know exactly what people are here to do, and I've been there, done it myself, and it's a lot of fun. But you know, I've, I've got to make sure I get to the other side, get to the end of the season, to make sure that everything's done uh, correctly and on time. You know, so yeah, it's. it's it's been different, but then after the last couple of years, where basically we've had virtually or very few people here, uh, clubs weren't open. It has made that change a little bit easier. You know, it's like you know like when we had bars and stuff were closing at ten, eleven at night. It's like, oh great, I can go out for a drink. I can be home and in bed by half ten, and it's still nice and easy. Um, you know, but it's different if you get caught up in it and you you don't get home till seven a.m. and you want to start work at half eight. You know, that's not good. <laughs> that's just not happening. Holy moly. Okay, let's let's talk about. Um, I want to talk about kind of the the kind of process. Like you mentioned, that you you're sort of sorting through those, uh, sorting through the the demos that come to you. What's if someone wants to pitch to one of those labels? Are they best sending you an email that says, "I've got these records. I think they might be right for one of your labels," and kind of let your ear and go, "Well, it's probably right for that one, that one, and that one. I'll send it to those three guys." Or are they better off going, "I've got a record that's right for Archie Hamilton's label," what and and le- and just kind of driving it your forward for yourself. I've, this, this summer, I've been doing um, some like A and R sessions. So this is one of the things I always say to to the people that, that have gone on the retreat. I mean, a lot of people, you know, there's sort of do's and don'ts with the whole thing. Personally, I, I think it's best that you send specifically to uh, a label you already thought that would be right. I will also listen to it, considering and all the other labels that I run and think. There are nuances in sound between, say, Leon's label, because he likes a certain style, compared to Archie's label, compared to Seb's label. They all like, but they'd all come under like maybe the minimal deep genre, but they all like slightly different things to it, uh, which maybe people don't always uh, appreciate. So I will listen to it like that. But I would normally say to these people, the first thing to do is, you know, when you've done a track, you don't stay send it straight to me straight away, straight from the studio. Uh, at least sit on it, because you might finish at three in the morning, think it sounds amazing, send it straight out. I listen to it and think, that's a load of shit. You know, and that's not a good start. But you want to sit on it, listen to it, listen to it in the car, listen to earbuds, listen to the studio. Uh, if you can, do a mix with it first, because that way you'll be able to tell whether your levels are right, whether it fits, you know, in the mix. You, you'll be able to tell the energy. You know, if you're playing and then you get, say, three minutes through it, you're like, I'm a bit bored of this now. You'll notice that if you're playing it in a track, in a, in, a, in a mix with a whole load of other tracks that you know are absolute fire, you'll think, ah, got bored here, I'm going to need to change this. You know, you'd be amazed how many people just don't even do that. And if you if you do do that mix and you think, right, it fits really well with that track, fits really well with that track, which labels are they on? Maybe that's a good label to send it to. You know, if, if you got to try and think about it a little bit more. I mean, mm. the, most labels only will put out, say, maybe 12 releases in a year. So you've got to imagine, you've got to be really lucky for the amount of demos I get every day. To be able to be one of those 12 in a year, uh, it's got to be something special, you know. So if you sit there, you know, where you send off a demo, it's like, I reply, I said, it's not quite grabbing us. And then about 10 minutes later, you sent me another three tracks. I'm like, well, where, where are all these tracks coming from? Have you tried these out? If you played them in a club, if you, you know, it's like a lot of people, 
you've got to make sure if you're sending to the sort of guys like Archie, like Eats Everything, you've got to make sure this is a banger because otherwise, you know, if you send me like 30 tracks in a year, I might listen to them all, but I'm going to start getting a bit wary thinking you're not really thinking about is this an absolute weapon? Is this deserving of one of those 12 spots in a year? You know, because you're just firing them out, you know, without so much thought. You've got to really sort of cater it. And then that way you think, right, okay, that, that's a good track. It fits that label. Maybe it's not perfect this time, but then at least there's a bit more dialogue coming through and I'm, I'm a bit more interested in rather than just people literally sending demos straight through. And whatever you do, don't ever send a demo on uh, with all the names in BCC and just the link because that's an instant delete. That's <laughs> just straight away never going to get listened to. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. We get all we get at the time as well. Like you get like loads. And you're like, really? Yeah, it's like me. I, I, it's not that labels <laughs> necessarily want to feel special. It's the fact that I want you to have investigated the reason. You know, think right. This is actually a track for that label. If you've just pumped it out to everybody, it's like, well, you've not even thought about whether it fits the label or not. You're just chancing your arm, and I'm not even going to bother. You know, I want you to actually. I want people to actually have considered right this is the right track for this particular label why is it like that uh, because i played it in this mix i played it in the club and i was playing it around other tracks from the label it fit really well the crowd went down well with it you know that way that's that's a selling point if you can play it out you've got a video and you can i can see it's going up well send me that video you've got to try and sell me your track so i can sell it to people to buy it and to to editors at beatport spotify etc you know Give me a reason uh, of, of why I should sign it. You know, you, and if you the more you don't have to come out with a huge essay, but just give me that sort of give me something that, that shows me that you've researched it, you've thought about this, and that's going to give that's going to spark my interest and think right, okay, this is worth listening to. Right, Archie, this is going to be worth listening to. Check it out, see what you think, because uh, these guys will play like uh, or sign music from people who you know are, are very new in the game. They don't they don't have a problem with that. But they, they will got to make sure it's an absolute weapon, you know, because if it's not, you know, it's 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 not a good look for the label. But if it's something that they'll they'll, they'll play in their sets and they'll sit on it for a couple of months playing it, make sure it works. If they get a great reaction, they'll be like, right, we'll pick that up and put it out because they know it's going to work, um, you know. But you've got to, you've got to consider all these things when you're, you're you're pitching tracks to labels rather than just throw them out on mass. You know, I was with um, uh, Ramin from uh from solid grooves like one of the uh, the retreats and i'm like right, i get a lot of demos how many do you get for solid groove he reckons he gets about 500 a week um now imagine how many releases can they do in a year you know and you, if you're getting that amount of demos in a week you've got to have one special track to get you know released on there you know so if you're going to send something and make sure that people like that don't just sort of just think, oh, I sent me loads before. They were never right. I'll just save myself about two minutes of my life and skip past it. You don't want that ever happening. So you've got to make sure, you know, when you do send it, you, they've, they've got to have a reason to listen to it and also think, right, this guy's always researched it. Might not be right this time, but I'll always listen to his tracks because at least he's on point or she's on point. They're on point. That's super interesting. I like I, I like the kind of I like the video thing. Sending the video where someone else is playing, or even you're playing it yourself. I like that kind of it's that validation, isn't it? Audience validation that someone's that's behind it already. And I like the yeah, I get that kind of do the research. It's de and also the kind of like you're talking about leverage and using stuff that you've done before. That's that's I say that all the time as well. Like these are all super useful points. 
I saw, Graham, in fact, I made a YouTube video like this. I saw in a thread a while back, before the summer, you were, you said, get your Spotify stats up. It shows the public public want to hear your music. A number one beatport doesn't mean we're used to, and no one buys it except DJs. And if you're going to come to a gig, they want guest lists and free drinks. Promoters want to pay punters. Punters don't buy music. Streaming is now everything for a touring DJ. I thought we'd chat about about this, about this and get your thoughts on it further, because I, I thought it was genius. And it was on that thread, it was everyone was going, I can't get my music signed. And then you were like, bang in there as a label manager point. I thought it was, I thought it was to the point, basically. Well, I think it's a, a lot of people, I think, and it's not just up and comers that need to, to understand this. It's also a, a lot of uh, older DJs as well. Because there's hmm. so many people I see going on a rant. It's like, I can't get my music heard. And, or or they, they, they just consider everything about sales. That's all sales, 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 sales. Sales, I mean, great. It's great when people buy your track, but it's not like what it was, you know, and it's basically just DJs buying your track. If they haven't already downloaded it for free, let's, you know, let's not be around the bush here. People will still just go onto all those those sites. I know there's loads of them around. You know, you can download it for free. People do do that. You know, there are a lot of people who maybe don't earn a lot of money playing in the local bar for 50 quid. Well, you know, you know, at the moment, 50 quid goes a lot. Well, not a long way, but it goes, you know, buying you food and things like that. I understand the reasons why people would do it. So sales, you know, being a number one on Beatport doesn't mean you've sold 30,000 tracks, you know, but it'll be from people buying it. So, you know, but then you get to Spotify and then, you know, you can have a free account on there and you can listen to the tracks and have a playlist and listen to it all. But, you know, you got to think who, who, who listens to Spotify? You know, my wife will listen to it. Your, your, your wife, or your, your friends, you know, your brothers, your sisters, your mom, dad, and all that. People following on there, those those are the people who are going to pay for track, um, pay for tickets. You know, they'll buy tickets to shows, which is what promoters want. You know, if you're 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 just selling like say I don't know fifty to hundred tracks on Beatport, you know, the people who like your music on there are more likely to ask you for free guests and come up and pop free drinks in the booth. Uh, well, I will. <laughs> you know, but I mean, if you if you've got lots of followers on Spotify and Apple and stuff. These are the people that will, these will buy tickets. So you want to get your stats up, you know, and say, right, make sure you get people following you on Spotify uh, because that's also what Spotify look at when they, they, they're they looking at editorials, not necessarily plays per month. You know, that obviously does look good, but if you've got your track in one particular playlist that generates loads of streams, you might still only have three followers, but you just got lucky with, with the placement. Uh, it still doesn't mean you're a world beater. And obviously... The next track that comes out, you know, people look at it and go, right, well, he's still only got 10 followers. That doesn't, why should we support him? You know, that kind of thing. You, you've got to get your, your follower count up. That's really, really, really important to try and get people like people used to, you know, people using download gates and things like that, which is always good, you know, but you just want to make sure you've got active listeners because those people are the ones that make the algorithms uh, tick on Spotify rather than you're just sitting in someone else's playlist. You know, you want people save, you know, you got followers uh, who will listen to your track and then save it to their own playlist because they follow you rather than someone follow somebody else and just happens to come across your track, listen to it in a playlist, which is good for discovery. Don't get me wrong. But um, yeah, you want to get your stats up as best you can with followers. And after that, we like, um, you know, your plays per month because that's what promoters will look at. If you've got lots of plays, you've got lots of followers, well, that's a good sign that you're popular with the general public, you know, and, and that's, that's ticket sales.
So that, that's one of the things I think it, most people overlook and just consider it's all about sales, it's all about sales, which we all know there's also companies that can manipulate sales on, on Beatport. Uh, not that I don't think it goes on like it used to a few years back, but there are still a few floating around, I'm sure. But, you know, it, it doesn't mean the same, it doesn't carry the same weight as it, as it used to, you know. Streaming is now really very key. The big one, obviously, with streaming is everyone kind of moans about the price, the amount they earn off a stream compared to compared to a sale or a, or a Jesus, an NFT or a, or a band camp. I know the answer. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll let you I'll let you talk about it. Why? Why? Like, like you said, it's important for streams. I mean, yeah, you don't. Obviously, if you're getting listened to, say, in India on a free account on Spotify, you will get paid less than if you're getting listened to in America on a paid account. You know, there's actually adjustments within it. You know, you've got to bear in mind that a lot of these people are like, oh, I don't earn any money off it. But have you actually actively pushed it? Yeah, there's not a lot of payment and we all know that. And, you know, I'd love to see that increase, if I'm honest. You know, I think it, people's work is worth a lot more. But I see so many people complaining about the fact that, you know, oh, I didn't earn any money off Spotify. And a lot of these people probably have never posted about it ever. You know, they'll always they'll be driving traffic to Beatport and expects people to stream it, but yet you've never pushed it. You know, it's like, well, it doesn't work like that. You've literally got to try and direct the right people to the you know, right content to the right people. Maybe do a targeted ad here. That's for Beatport. That's more of a DJ kind of thing. Hey, this one could be good. Let's try and get some people targeted Spotify. Build my stats up there. You know, you've got you've got to try and work it. You can't just expect people just to discover you when you've never, ever posted anything about it and you, all you've ever done is banged on about Bandcamp and, 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 and Beatport or TrackSource, you know, that, that's just not going to work. You know, you, you've got, it takes time. Build up a playlist, always pump that out. People follow the playlist. Oh, I like his style of music. And then, hey, then, you know, people are coming back following you and then you, you've got your next track out, you add that to the playlist, you pump it out. You've got to pump, you've got to literally look for content and just keep working it for each each DSP, you can't just expect people to come back and, and then go, oh, I've made 0.1p on, on Spotify. Well, if you've never pushed it, what do you expect, mate? Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I, I also kind of agree with the kind of, if you've, you know, a thousand people listening to it, as you said, they could be listening on a free account, but then a thousand people listening to it might still go and buy tickets. So even if you don't earn that, you know, you only earn 4p from those a thousand streams, you might earn more from a ticket sale as well. Well, exactly. You've got, you've got to consider that. You've, everyone's got to remember, you know, that these people pay for tickets, yet we've all got to start somewhere. And if, if they like it and they add it to their own playlist, you know, you go to the gym every day, that's five plays per person, you know, mm. you know, you, you, during the week. Now, if you do that, like on a thousand people, that's 5,000 plays, you know, a week. And it's a game of numbers. And if you've got these people in a playlist and now you've got five tracks of yours in there, you know, so you're getting five plays per person, you know, over five days. And then the numbers start to add up. You know, it's basically a numbers game. And also people going, oh, I'll do, I'll put out four tracks here uh, and I'll get a remix. And it's like, well, that's a waste of time, you know, because you can only ever pitch one track to Spotify for editorials generally. So what's the point in having four tracks in a remix, you know, because that's the, the you, only one's going to be successful. So you might as well just, you know, drip feed it out. And just, you don't have to release every track that you make. Only it's like sending it off to labels. Right. Send the best ones off, you know, try them out. Think, oh, I'm a bit tired of that. That's not good. My mates don't really like that one, but we really like that one. You know, try these tracks out. Just put out one track every couple of weeks, you know, uh, to start off with if you're building, you know, or if you're self-releasing. 
you've just got to have a constant flow. There's no need of, of throwing out vast amounts of content because people, it will just get lost. You know, that, that's another thing that people, <laughs> I have a conversation with my clients quite often about that. <laughs> I wondered about the kind of multi-track EPs as opposed to the kind of, because we like we'll put out single we, like for our labels we're definitely putting out single tracks but then sometimes we'll put out multiple tracks because depending on the release whether we want to get that kind of beatport feature like featured in the releases because it builds a bit of content it builds a bit of hype because it's a smaller label um and I like the kind of idea of you know just like you say you can only pitch one track so what's the point in putting out multiple tracks Yeah I mean uh, I mean there's, there's a couple of people who've done this with you know if you've got say uh, a VA or you know or look Obviously, you know me coming from Seamless, where we used to do compilations. Uh, and the reason why kind of we stopped that was because basically the birth of the playlist and people streaming and um, you've got SoundCloud. It's like, right, we spend all this money licensing in tracks and creating a really nice product and, and things like that. But yeah, people will just go to SoundCloud and just listen to a mix for free. And they haven't licensed any of those tracks. So they've got tracks that you can't even, even license, you know, and then you get to to playlist and it's like well that is your new compilation you know basically everyone has their own personalized compilation so you know you might as well just put out the very best that you've got you don't have to do like two in a week you could split that up and you have one every week you know what i mean if you're growing you know if you've got if you're someone like who's a, who's a well-known artist i wouldn't say put one out every week because it wouldn't help the algorithm but if you're you're young and you're new keep pumping out something hey there's a new track for you to listen to this week Oh, there's new ones to listen to this week. New, you can keep doing that. Um, and then people can build up. You can build up because people go, oh, there's a new track this week. Let's check out his track this week. Like you're watching, I don't know, if you're watching, uh, you know, when you get onto subscription services, TV, and you start watching like uh, The Mandalorian or something, right? It comes out every <laughs> Wednesday. You know there's a new one on a Wednesday. It's like, woo, it's Wednesday. Let's get back. Check out a new one, you know, but you keep coming back for it. So if you get that sort of following, you if you put out four in one week, mostly they probably won't all get listened to. But if there's a new one every week, you'll soon become a creature habit and keep coming back and listening for more because you know there's something new. So, you know, I think it's one of those things that people always need to remember, you know, is, is how things work. But then if you go to Beatport and you have one track out, you know, people only gives you gives people a choice to buy that one track only. It's not competing with another track. It's not competing uh, with a remix. You know, you either like it or you don't buy it, you know. Um, not many people will buy a whole EP anymore. Some people do, but you would do on vinyl, and that's the reason why you'd have remix packages. To give you get, say, two original, two remixes, that's four reasons to buy that vinyl. But now, you know, you, you're on a digital market, people just cherry pick. There's no real need to have lots of remixes because that's going to compete against the original. And if the original needs a remix, well, you shouldn't be signing the original in the first place. Agreed, agreed. Is it like from a, just from a label point of view? Is it worth having a strategy where you're kind of some releases are focused for Beatport and some are released for Spotify and and kind of mixing those strategies up? Or would you just be right? We're Spotify first, and then and then if Beatport sales happen, great. Or like where are you? Like where are you? Where's your head in for different labels? I mean, I try and mix and match depending on the sound. I mean, certain ones work really, but can work perfectly well on Beatport or Spotify, for example. You know, they'll sit and their, their tracks will sit there for like a year in the charts on Beatport and yet they stream really, really well. Um, you know, other ones you can think, right, that one's got a really good catchy vocal hook that could be very good for streaming. Then you could double it up with more, not a dub per se, but more of a club track as a B-side. So you've got a two-track EP or, or for Beatport, for 
streaming that people can enjoy on the train and stuff like that. More sort of clubbier version or well, clubbier beat beatport, and that works well. Disco Eliminators, I've definitely bought tickets for artists that I've streamed on SoundCloud. I feel that I have a strong social media presence, nurturing thirst and providing tickets before I have a new act. That's cool. Yeah, I agreed. You spoke about self-releasing. A lot of our uh, producers, or definitely my audience, and definitely in our Discord, are kind of newer, aspiring, not either, both young and old, that if they're not getting their music signed to the label they want to sign to, is there a kind of, would you self-release or have their own label is that a strategy they should be doing or should they just kind of so that they are building those numbers or should they kind of be looking at lower smaller labels what would your advice be there personally i would always try and get onto another label because they've already got existing followers uh, and that's you know a bit like doing a collab post for example on instagram you know you can sort of get the boost of, of, of yourself with the label and that's where you get that sort of partnership from. If you can't get anything signed, you know, if, if you still have pure confidence in your own music and you've tried it out and it does work, I don't see why you can't, you know, start up your own own little label of self, self-release and, and, and just get things going out, you know. But obviously I would try and recommend it try and, from an artist's perspective, always to try and get it on a, on a label. If it's not the biggest label ever it's not ministry of sound it's not edible or whatever well you know there's other labels um it's a case of you've got to start somewhere you've got to get your music out and if someone's already got some kind of a following already and you can then um you know get that out to their followers then you know that's a start let's start point let's get things moving you know you know then i would say you can you can you need to build some relationship, but I wouldn't say right. Let's I've just released on this label. I'm going to move on to another label. You know, you've got to think right. They've invested a bit in you. You know, work together, grow together. Um, you know, you need to have a few labels together. But if you, there's quite a lot of artists that I, I, I could I could name, but I won't name uh, that become kind of those sort of label box tickers. Um, you know, and it's like, well, if you build a partnership with a label and you start growing with them, say, for example, Piv, you always see the same artists on there or you see the same artists on Hot Creations. Well, who do you think is getting the booking, you know, which is, again, the sort of end thing for the artist. So you can self-release if you can get onto a label better. It's better to have something out there than nothing. But if you can get on a smaller label, maybe fine. Great. Yeah, everyone has to start somewhere and then start growing. I'm not saying, right, just do one and then, you know, just you, you've got to build and slowly grow. You can't expect it to happen overnight. You can't expect to jump in straight at the top. But, you know, you, you've got to start somewhere. And if, if no one wants to sign your tracks or maybe they're just not confident, if you're still confident, I don't see why you can't self-release and, and, and try yourself. Um, you know, there's enough people that will do that. Uh, you know, there's quite a lot of... Um, distributors where you can get those sort of stars i mean like i think soundcloud do it as well now where you can distribute via soundcloud you know it's just it's not easy to do it yourself because you've obviously got to try and get support off people but it's not impossible uh if you you if you're really confident and then you start following someone like yourself and working out how to get on spotify playlists things like that and that way you can sort of start building those numbers you know it's just a case of learning and just uh, be repetitive not boring repetitive, but just always, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's repetitive, but in a, a non-boring way. How's that? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, SoundCloud for Artists, you can do it with that straight away. I've just done a video on that. So if you're watching this on the rewatch, SoundCloud, check out the SoundCloud for Artists video. I've just put it below for you so you can watch it. Anyway, carry on. Um, so we've kind of got the late track signed. We're happy days. We've got our track signed. 
what's the next moves for these for these hungry artists? Like, where where should they be doing next? Where should their priorities be? And and what would you kind of be telling your artists to do? I mean, once you sign, it's like right. We want to get sort of obviously a bit a club hype going. So you get out to the DJs, make sure you know. Hopefully, they start playing it. Go through Instagram, check the feedback, see who, see if you can find any videos or those fan pages that people are just constantly post, posting videos, you know, and try and see if you can catch any footage. Because if you can catch footage, that's really, again, really, really helpful. Say, for example, Marco Corolla's just played it somewhere. You know, that really helps out your track, you know what I mean? If you stick a bit of, maybe a bit of ad spend, it's a good bit of content, you know, um, and validation if you've got people like that playing your track, so if you can find it, great, you know, try and search them down and hunt them out not always easy to find but these days with everyone with the phone in their hand you know you start searching hashtags things like that you, you can soon go through quite a lot of videos and, and find them build a sort of hype up and then also you know try and tell a story for people on socials i mean anyone who's worked, worked with me on the labels i always send out like a social timeline it's not just a case of right i've got a new track out go listen and that's it. That, that doesn't work. You know, if you think about Instagram stories, there's a reason they're called stories and you start telling a story and people keep coming back to the story and keep following you. If you do that with, with a release, say, hey, this, I've got so I've just signed a track. You don't have to post about it the day you sign it, but when it's coming close to the release date, right, you've got that photo of you signing it. Hey, I've got, I've got this coming. It could be a, a, a four-month-old photo. No one knows, but you can post about it. And then you start telling a story. Hey, I've got this track coming. It could already be out on promo for all we care. You know, general Joe public don't care about that if it's been played for the last four months. But you start telling the story as you come in towards uh, the release and say, hey, go sign this. And then you can post maybe the artwork and a picture of you in the studio. Teaser's coming soon as you get closer. And then maybe some little teasers. We animated teasers to get closer. Then maybe a, a bit of you making playing the track in the studio or playing it out when it's released. Then maybe how I made the track. Uh, you could do like interviews with the the artist who owns the label. Um, then you could post club footage. It's just, just telling a story, so it's not being repetitive and saying, "Hey, buy my track, buy my track, buy my track," because that's really boring. No one, mm. you know, no one cares that for so much. You know, but if you're telling a story, say, "Oh, I might check that out." You know, rather than a hard sell, just make it interesting. Give them something interesting to check out uh, as a sort of of a teaser. Say, right, it's, it's available for you. Go listen to. Go and listen to it if you want. You know, if you don't, fine. It'd be nice if you did though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I know. I know a lot of small artists and a lot of small artists. They struggle with the kind of. I know that sounds amazing. You're giving a social timeline. That's fucking hell. That's epic. Lots of labels don't give that. And lots of labels kind of just drop artwork on the last second of the day before and go, here it is. Uh, can they just start that kind of timeline from release day? Or does it matter? Does it? Is that important for them? I, to be honest, I don't think it matters that much. Personally, I like to try and ramp it up so you've got people sort of a bit juiced when it gets to, to Friday you know, release day. Also, if you start telling this story a little bit away, people can start pre-saving. Again, that really helps your algorithms on, on Spotify and Apple. And also if they pre-saved it on Beatport, by the time you hit uh, release day and you've got 200 pre-sales or whatever, that's a big jump up in the charts straight from the off. And that makes your track look really popular. If you fly straight up the charts or you've got a lot of pre, you've got a lot of pre-saves, got a lot of pre-sales, who do you think the, the stores are going to support? the ones that have already got a lot of interest in it. So whilst you could start on release day, but you're missing out on potential support because you've not already started ahead and got the algorithms and people noticing and going, 
Oh, the editors are all going, this guy's already sold 100 tax here. He's already got 2,000 pre-saves or whatever. You know, that to them is something that they go, that shows interest in this track, this person, this release. We should support that. If you start promoting it on release day, you already lost that, you know. So whilst you can do it, I'd start it off beforehand. If you can't do that, then, yeah, by all means, you're going to have to start somewhere and start off building that sort of plan from release day. But, again, you've got to tell a story. You know, say, hey, guys, just find this track out today. Keep following. We're going gonna, gonna to tell you the story about how it was made, why it's on this label, you know, and just you have to tweak it a little bit for the style and the date and in, in, in where it is in the release. But you can you can tweak that sort of timeline uh, and, and make content for it. But you've got to be – just tell a story. It's got to flow. If it doesn't flow, it's just, um, right, we're out, buy it. We're out here, buy it. We're out – you know, it, it just doesn't work. People need to be – have a reason to follow you and, and be engaged and and have content that they're going to enjoy that that way they'll go and, and go check it out that's super interesting i was interested about pre-saves i didn't realize there's a lot of kind of up and down with pre-saves whether they work whether they don't work so that's interesting you're saying they it's advantageous to push them if you might as well if you, you know if you can get a whole load of pre-saves and it shows to the editors there's obviously interest in this track already that's a good start and i'm trying to get in those editorial playlists and things like that also if you've got um the pre-save where you've used like the irsc code so it's one particular track that as opposed to the barcode for the whole release uh that then, that will then appear in your playlist straight away be listened to so again it works really well if it's just um the barcode then it will just be saved into your library as opposed to playlist so it's a slightly different way you know so if you've got one particular track and you're just pushing one particular track it's better if you've got the irsc code you can just push that and get um that straight and direct to people's playlist but again it just it just it does work you know you just got to get people mm. saving it, free saving it, and, and just showing people that there's interest in this track. If there's no interest in it, why should they support it? And I guess then uh, from a label manager's point of view, you're if they're, if you're getting those pre-saves and then you're going to the Beatport editorial team, for instance, and saying, look, it's got some love, it's getting some action, you can see it, then that helps with the kind of those front pages or those genres place departments or, you know, ch- chart, little charts on the front pages of Beatports. And that helps obviously drive sales even more. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I always tell people to do the chart a couple of days before for Beatport track source, a couple of days before it's released, uh, because then you can send that in uh, to the label. The label send it in uh, and ask them to, you know, pitch it for a feature. And obviously, if you're doing this ahead of release, it shows again that you're you're interested in this, you're actively, you're pushing it. You know, so they're more inclined to support you even more than if you are doing this a week or two later. And if you do it way too in advance. Uh, you know, it's like, well, you kind you, you kind of lose the momentum if you've got it in a nice steady flow mm-hmm. where you're just ramping it up, ramping it up. Hey, there's some other choices of other tracks that I like ahead of the release this week. It, it just it tells the story more. It just makes it look a bit more engaging for editors. People just think, oh, it's, it's just more comp- another thing to pump out that's not exactly the same thing of buy my track. You know, here's the other tracks that I'm enjoying at the moment. Um, and it just works to do it in a, in a timely fashion when how can doing this help my release yeah it'll help your release if you do it a week or two later but it's probably better to do it beforehand to try and get those those initial sales and jump up the chart on on launch because you know 
to continue and get other further placements down the road, you know, like staff picks and things like that. If no one's bought it in a week, they're not going to make it a staff pick. You know, you need to make it something like, right, oh, it's interesting. It's always you've got, you've got basically a week to get everyone involved. So the more you can get uh, affect that before release, and then that first week you then drive, try drive up the charts. And then by the second week, you want to be getting, think, right, we've got into, a, into the chart here. People are more visible. People can see it. We're going to get maybe star picks now because obviously we're selling. And then we'll start getting other charts from other people. And then you can start growing up the charts even more, you know. But you need to start somewhere and you've, you've got to try and get as much visibility as possible. And then I guess, I guess if you're doing all this as an artist and a DJ, and I know this is a lot of things for people to do as well as making the music and all the other things, I guess this looks good for you as a label. Like you're, if an artist is putting all this effort in from a label point of view, you must think this is an artist we want to work with again in the future and, and then have future releases and that kind of then builds that artist up a bit or, you know, is that right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, there'd be some people who just think, if you think I've worked with a few and think, Fucking hell, that's a dead loss, that is. It's like trying to get blood out of a stone. I'm just trying to sell your <laughs> records, mate. What's the point? You know, there's a lot of people, yeah. people going about TikTok. Yeah, it goes on. It works actually very well on TikTok. And you find some of the older DJs just like, oh, I ain't doing that for dancing. It's like, well, it's not necessarily for dancing. When you know about it and you know how it works, you know, and then like the whole doing like reels and like maybe behind the scenes footage, things like that. Then you just add the sound to it. You know, there's this. A lot of artists that just don't get really how how well it can be done. I find a lot of the younger ones are obviously very a lot very keen and they understand the socials. And they've actually got a large social following and things like that. And if you look at people like David Morales and his Spotify stats, he's on about a million plays per month or a million and a half plays per month. But yeah, he's made some of the biggest tunes ever. And yet, because it didn't exist when he was there, you know, he now you get someone who's like 20 years old who could have way more listens per month, way more followers, just because they've grown up in that era and they're used to it. Sometimes I think the older DJs are quite a little, you know, it's not that I don't want to work with them because I always would, but, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's a little bit more challenging when they don't get it. <laughs> I bet, I bet. I bet, it's, yeah, I bet sometimes it's like, come on, just push it a little bit. Like, just give it a little push, please. Yeah. Shout about it once. I mean, I also find the more underground you go, the less that these people really, yeah, the more underground artists, the further underground you go, the less responsive they'll be on this because they're just too cool for school. And they're like, nah, I can't be bothered to do that. <laughs> You're, you're, you're the label, you do it. You're the one that's promoting the record. Yeah, I and mean, it's like, this is why I do these social timelines for people. I'm not, I'm not trying to turn anyone into a TikTok star. I'm just trying to give you a hand on help, 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 and helping us all together try and sell and stream records. Because what's good for you is good for me. You know, if we're selling records, then I stay in a job. <laughs> if we're selling fuck all, well, you know what I mean? We all know what's going to happen there, don't we? So, you know, I, I try and make it as easy and as painless for people to do things so they can do it, do the best that they can, you know? And it's just, yeah, sometimes not everybody's so responsive. <laughs> um, you mentioned about editorial. Is it possible for smaller artists to get editorial placements? It's not impossible. You know, I, I, I've spoken to the, the to Spotify about this as well and Apple, you know, and they will support it if it's a great track and you give them a re reason to. Um, you know, obviously it's not always easy. If it's your first track, you've got zero followers on social, you've got zero followers on there. Don't expect it. But, you know, saying that, you know, I had a, on, on one of the labels, brand new act, and we've got about five different, including the best uh, Apple, the, uh, the Dance XL. We've got a whole load of those. 
on, on launch. You know, for a brand new artist on their very first track, it's not impossible. It can be done. But you do... Was that from the weight of the label or the weight of the... Was that from the weight of the label, the weight of the artist, or was it just from the weight of the record? Uh, weight of the label and the management of the label, no, the editors. <laughs> um, but you've got, you know, but there's, there's, there's ways, like I say, there's ways around everything, you know. It helps if you know people. But, you know, it's not impossible to be done. But, yeah, equally, you can have someone who's quite well-known and it'll get equally overlooked, you know. If it's a good track, it's a good track, you know, and good good music sells and streams, you know. So if, if you've got the faith in it, you can be done. You just need to give them what they want, you, you know. They, like I say before about people saying about, oh, Spotify doesn't pay anything and I, I'm earned nothing on Spotify. Well, have you posted about it? Have you tried to drive traffic there? Things like that. They want to see that you're pushing them traffic as well, you know. They need uh, people coming to their platforms to survive. If you're directing everyone elsewhere, they're not going to support you, you know, if on a pre-save kind of thing and you're actually doing that. Well, you're driving them traffic. They're going to notice that, you know. If, if this brand new artist has got a pre-save link up, he's never had a track before, but yet they've got 2,000 pre-saves, you think they're not going to be interested? Of course they are. Mm, you know, it shows yeah, that you are actively yeah. driving people to them. If you're not taking anybody towards them and you're taking them elsewhere, then you can't expect to be supported. I guess there's also the uh, sort of thing we were talking about right at the start is the, the new talent versus new talent versus new talent versus, you know, where where in the new talent you are, you sit. If you're new, new talent and you're zero, then you've got to put the graph in still at the start and get to the new talent where you've got followers, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I mean, no, nobody generally, you know, walks in and suddenly becomes a new resident amnesia or DC10 at the age of 18 after they've never had a record and they've only just moved here. You know, it just does not happen. You've got to get to know people, work your way up and start in a few bars and then get maybe to a little bit bigger. And then you suddenly get, and then you start at the bottom of the, the lineup before you end up, like say Patrick Chopin, who's now in his 30s and he's worked his way up. You know, these people have done, they've mm. done the hard work to get there, you know, they didn't do it when they first came here to start with, you know, but it takes time. But then eventually, you know, uh, they say it takes uh, 10, 10 years to become a, an overnight success. And it's, it's true. You know, you can't, you can't expect <laughs> to have everything the next day. And even if you've got loads of money behind you, you still can't expect to have that go straight away. Mm. You know, it, it just doesn't work like that. It's, it, it takes time. It sure does, my friend. It sure does. So we've got this record out now and we're kind of pushing it. Um, premiers, do they still work for records? I know I know, I do them every day and I know we do some together, but do you th are they still valuable for you? Are they still valuable for labels? Should you be using them? What are your thoughts? Well, I personally believe yes. I, I mean, they're not the be-all and end-all, but again, if I can get extra, an extra, I don't know, you know even if it's an extra 2,000 eyes on a record that's quite underground, well, that's 2,000 eyes that might buy it or might add it to a playlist mm. or whatever, I'll definitely take that, you know? If you can do it, why not? Why shouldn't you, you know? It's like, Will it make a massive difference? Who knows? But if you, it's better to do it than not do it. You know, if I have to give someone, they can monetize it, for example. I don't really mind that much. And it's not like I'm dealing with necessarily with a Fisher track. And if I was, I'd probably say no. But then I wouldn't need the bloody premiere, would I? You know what I mean? If we've got smaller <laughs> underground music, you know, we're trying to build something. You know, there's, there's certain select like premiere groups that think, right, for that sound, this person's great for that, that person's great for that. But then as soon as you get to like David Getter's side, we don't need that. You've already got the fan base. So, you know, you've got to grow somewhere. And if you're growing as an artist, the more eyes you can get on you and your music, be it on YouTube, SoundCloud, wherever, you know, take it, do it, go for it. You know, you, you've got to build. And 
you might get a few more, I don't know, an extra 50 followers off the SoundCloud premiere, perhaps. Great, perfect. Mm. Then you're building, you know, it's worthwhile doing it. You've just got to take everything you got, do everything you can do and take everything you can get uh, just to get those numbers up, stats up for people, you know, build a following. Because without a following, you can't really go anywhere, can you? Um, one thing you mentioned earlier about uh, sending out tracks to, to kind of get some some club play on tracks. I know you all obviously do this as a label, but can the artists themselves be sending them out to their, to, to bigger artists and, and people that they, like, would you advise them to be kind of hitting up people and going, hey, I've got a new track coming on, do not sleep, would you mind having a listen and thinking about spinning it? Is this advisable for them to be doing? I'll tell you what, you'd be amazed how many people do do that. It's noticeable. It's also because when I'm doing the, uh, the, the promos for it, I'm like, it feels like we've not had so much of a reaction on that. I would have sworn that person would have liked it, but they've already had it because someone's already been around. Uh, maybe they've met them. Because if you're in the scene, for example, you know, like the Minimal Deep scene, you know, a lot of these people, they, they will all go to the same clubs in Amsterdam. They'll all been around the same clubs there. They'll have met a lot lot of these DJs already you know and if you've got that slight rather than a cold calling kind of thing if you've got met someone a lot of these people will fire them around on Instagram you know and why not you know hey I've got this track coming on this maybe I thought you might like it why not send it around you know and then they might like it and they might follow you you know and then they take an interest in your music because it's you rather than oh I like that label you know everyone's got to try and the label's got to try and build its followers for growth itself or when maybe you're not on the label but likewise the artist has also got to try and do that but when he's not on that label, you know, so you've got, to, I'd, I'd say you can post it around people. Obviously, if it's, if it's coming on a good solid label, you think that's an artist that's definitely going to like it, then yeah, pump it out. Why not? You know, it looks good. They might not answer you. They might not listen to it, but you can try. I guess, I guess it's that networking thing again as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like ADE, IMS, you know, Bright Music Conference, places like that. You'll find a lot of these guys around there. Um, you know, don't go up there, kiss their ass, but you know, just you know, say, <laughs> Hey guys, I like your music buy your shop <laughs> um you know but just try and get on with people try and meet people but whatever you do don't just sit there and talk drivel in their ear for hours and hours and hours because that's not going to win it win you any favors yeah you've got you've got to be in it to win it wherever you can meet these people and actually try and speak to them when they're not actually djing and in the middle of a mix you know is an opportune moment you'd be amazed how many people come up to you in the dj box to try and have a quick chat <laughs> it's a terrible time <laughs> yeah because you're essentially working yeah exactly I'm using my ears at the moment I don't want to listen to your pissed up drivel <laughs> there's a lot of noise about at the moment for, de- for trying to be a, if you're trying to be a DJ or a producer a lot, a lot of social noise a lot of kind of trying to get records signed a lot of other DJs much more than there was kind of back in the heydays uh, or in the in the old days heydays old days do you have any advice for cutting through the noise Cutting through the noise, make sure your sounds like music. You know, there's so much of it, it's like, like I said before, you don't have to release every track that you make. Just make sure every track that you release is an actual banger because that will help cut through the noise. You know, if you have one good track and then another 10 rough ones, you know, people are like, nah, they're the one hit wonder. You know, but if every time you release a track as an absolute weapon, you'll be amazed how fast people catch on and take notice. So, I mean, it's really quality control is really very, very, very important for producers. And then DJing, you know, when you think about that, you're only as good as your last set, really. You know, it's like, oh, he was good. He had a great set this week. And then, like, next three or four weeks, you play really poorly, you know. It it, it can affect things. You need to also think about that, make sure you're not tired or completely knackered or completely pissed uh, or worse. Uh, You know, and think about it because, you know, people notice this. They've they've paid good money, you know, especially here in Ibiza, you know. Right, I paid 50 bucks to get in. I paid nearly 20 quid for a drink. 
like 70 quid down already and then playing for me missus or me, me fella um, you know and then the DJ was shit you'd be livid and you just spent about 150 quid and then you've had a, a rough night so you've got to think about that and think right I've got to put on a, a really good set and turn up and be respectful for the people who pay and you know, I think you can get noticed for both <laughs> for both good and bad uh, depending on how you react to that you know and I think musically if you make great tracks and you only ever release great tracks that will really stand in your favor rather than i've made this let's put it out oh we might as well put it out no no it's got to be bangers only we want killers not fillers you know and that that's the best way to break through because people will listen a lot of people make uh kind of lots of different genres should they keep to kind of when they're trying to grow a kind of consistency in their sound or can they kind of release across the board and just release what they're making as long as it's a banger, you could go from, from one to the other. Personally, I would try and be a bit more consistent-ish. You know, they, don't, they don't have to all sound exactly the same, but the more similar that they are, it's more people understand they know what they're going to get. You know, if you think, right, I'm going to buy a drum code track, you know exactly what you're going to get. If you're going to buy a defection track, you know what you're going to get. You know, when you start getting into the realms of other ones, you'll probably skip through, you know, so I really like defection, I really like drum code sign. And then you get a ninja tune. Tell me what sound you're going to get for that. So if you start, it'd be great music, but you could, you're going to listen to it, but I couldn't tell you what style it would always be. It could be electronica, it could be more house, it could be all sorts, you know. So it can be done. But I think for growing as a, as a smaller artist, you want to give people a bit of a audio fingerprint kind of thing so they know what to expect. And then you can throw in a little curveball here and there. But if you do that right from the get-go, it's a bit more hard to build up a sort of a faithful base as opposed to if you know if, if you do it like strictly right you know what you're gonna get as long as it's not painted by numbers and it's not generic you know they've got an idea of what they're gonna get it's gonna be good house music or it's gonna be good techno music or it's gonna be good progressive or whatever you know people all, all get to it and when you start throwing in curveballs right at the start people all might be a bit like oh i didn't really like that oh i'm not sure and then then people get a bit sort of more funny about it following you and everything but if you get You've you built up a good sort of faithful fan base and then you start, oh, I thought I'd do something different this time, let me know what you think and then, you know, go back to it normal again. You can't just constantly chop and change all the time right from the get-go because I don't think it really helps build that, that that fan base that you really need to kick on with and drive forward with. Wow, this is this has been good, man. Thank you for doing this today, dude. It's been really fun. We are heading into 2023. Uh, what platforms are you prioritizing from a social point of view? Is there ones other than uh, ones above others? Um, what's working for you, and what's going to be kind of what you're looking at for next year? Uh, for me, Instagram and TikTok are obviously hands down the best two. Although yep. I would not discount Facebook, but obviously we all know Facebook reach not the best these days unless you're putting money behind it. Twitter, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, it's a weird one, that one. I suppose it's, it's good as an artist to have a direct uh, conversation with fans, but as a label, when it's not so much of a, a personality, then it's not so effective, if I'm honest. If I personally, my, my ones to concentrate would definitely be TikTok and, and Instagram, and actually YouTube, YouTube Shorts, you know, with, the, the, with what they've done there. You can use like your, your reels for TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube Shorts. You might as well build up those youtube's massive anyway so you might as well do that i find facebook's a little bit more meh people too many people arguing on it and uh oh, and, 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 and yeah. twitter's a little bit more of a tricky one uh so those are the three i really personally concentrate on and then you know 
moving forward, just like, like I said before, just looking at the streaming thing and, and, and keeping on top of those. Is face is, is the reach on Facebook for an older community, uh, CB Radio asks? Yes, I would say 100%, yeah. I don't think my son's even on it. I mean, he's like 17. Uh, he's on Instagram, but he probably wouldn't be on Facebook that I know of, or unless you block me. But, you know, I, I, I wouldn't find my son definitely is on Facebook, you know what I mean? So I think it's, you find the kids will be on TikTok and Instagram. It does depend on what sort of target market, maybe what music you're making as to what sort of age group you're looking to try and connect with, you know. Um, it, yeah, Facebook still does serve a purpose. It just depends on the style of music and the the, the, the age. Have you uh, have you done uh, kind of research uh, user user research on your seventeen year old son to see and ask him kind of cumulative kind of questions about uh, his listening habits and his uh, buying habits? Oh, trying to get him to actually listen to it. Well, he'll listen to his stuff in the car, but he's uh, yeah, he's never been a big massive music fan. That he lets on. He normally asks me, "Do you know so and so?" I'm like. Yes, I played with him, or I'm going to play with him later. But yeah, he's never been mad. Probably had music overload in the house. He doesn't listen to it a lot unless <laughs> it's mine. Uh, poor guy. Um, so I have done. Yeah, but I mean, I know, I know, I know full well he's on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, you know, as opposed to Facebook or, or Twitter. Um, you know, but yeah, he's a particular. He's more of a tricky one to be able to do a, a decent questionnaire with. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know some other people that have got kind of similar age, eighteen, twenty, sort of have done kind of like where are you buying your clothes and where where are you doing your shopping and where you where which which apps are you using and those sort of like random kind of research questions on their on their on their younger on their younger children. Well, my my well, my, my son's the same size as me now, so he wears the same clothes as me. It comes, it comes, of course, it's absolutely nightmare <laughs> gets for the weekend. Like, Is that mine? <laughs> Where, obviously, you're running a lot of labels and you're living in Ibiza, and that's kind of a lot of full on. How do you spend your downtime, and do you do, and what do you kind of do, the kind of away from music to kind of keep yourself mentally sharp? And you know, do you do, do you look at kind of sports, or do you, what, what do you like doing apart from music? I mean, I used to play uh, rugby and football here, uh, which yeah. makes many people laugh, especially when I mention the word rugby. But I've got a little bit old for that and can't take the knocks anymore. So normally, yeah, I mean. Just go and hang out, go for dog walks, hang out with my family, uh, go sit in a cafe by the beach somewhere. I try and avoid the beach being ginger-haired and slightly bald. I do get burnt <laughs> very fast, um, very fast. I even get burnt sunburned walking around the shops, you know. It's quite frustrating. Um, so I just try and enjoy a bit of like, family time and try and not listen to any music. You know, I get people firing me demos on WhatsApp on Saturday afternoon or a sunday afternoon i'm like you better send that by email because that's not getting listened to otherwise um you, you know it's like I'm, I'm trying to i try and enjoy time with my family you know i work very very hard and very long hours during the week and then when it gets to the weekend i don't want to know i'm trying to get off the computer and just hang out with and enjoy time with them you know oh my god i hear you on the dms the dms on the dms on the weekend you get a, get a message on a weekend about work and you're just like you need to email me that. I agree. You need to email me that because yeah. because I'll, uh, by the time I get to Monday, I'm not being funny. I'm a little bit older. I will have forgotten you've even messaged me. Yeah, I would have forgotten. And I've probably had about another 30 or 40 WhatsApps or DMs in the meantime. It's like, or tagged in a story. It's like, mate, forget about it. It's never going to get heard because I will have forgotten about it and I ain't going to scroll through. And yeah, my, my WhatsApp messages looks like Carl Cox promo folder. You know, he's literally all these numbers on it. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> if it's important, always email. That always get answered. 
<laughs> yeah, I think I feel that's a whole thing with kind of let's, a lot of people DM, DM demos and DM messaging, and, and and it's always inbox for my for business man chat messages for chat and yeah. inbox for business. I'm a businessman. <laughs> <laughs> so so Laws in our chat <laughs> as yeah. someone who has got as someone who has got his debut coming out on a big label. Yeah. He was going to focus his energy on Spotify streaming numbers, but should he be putting his money and energy into Beatport as the label might be expecting that because it's a bigger label? Put it into both. To be honest, they'll be expecting both. Because what people, I mean, you do your chart for Beatport, etc. You want to direct DJs there, but you also want to direct all the other people to go to Spotify and listen to it. Um, and also, I mean, if you think about it, and lifestyle of life cycle of a track these days. Normally, if you get a month, thirty days is you know is a, is, is, is a good amount. If you get sixty days, that track's done really well. If you get anywhere near a year, you know you're thinking that's a fucking hit. When you get to things like Spotify, you know you can get a track and you can see it in loads of playlists, uh, and it's just going to sit there and tick over in loads of playlists. The more playlists you get, the more income you get, and it just you it's it's a different life cycle like beatport like that. Whereas streaming is just like that, the more and more, more playlists you get into and the longer it goes, the more money you'll earn. You know, it takes longer for the money to come in, but it also can, in the end, generate more, but it will take about a year or so. So if you concentrate on both, you'll get the instant hit there from the sales, and then you get more like that from, from the playlist because people have heard all the DJs play it. I like that. I like it to my playlist. And then, then you get that bit. And that's how you make a bit more money out of uh, music these days. Do you find pushing street, this kind of streaming early on helps the sales as well? <laughs> um, yes and no. I mean, you get a lot of people, you know, be like people that go, oh, have you got because they've listened to it, they found it on a playlist. I mean, it's noticeable what you see maybe in editorials is not maybe what you would see necessarily at the top of Beatport. You know, it, I think it can do, it can certainly help discovery. Um, you'll find that the algorithms work differently. You, you will, I, I think it, it can definitely help, yeah. Um, if something starts, so, something, well, something normally, if something's really at the top of Beatport, you can definitely go back to Spotify and say, look, I think you should be supporting this track because it's selling really well. Uh, it's doing very well on Beatport, it's, you know, smashing it. And they will definitely take a look at it. If you've got the numbers on Spotify, it's not normally something you can go back to Beatport with. However, if it's appearing everywhere, it's appearing on radio everywhere, you can bet the DJs will soon know that and they'll all start going, I'm going to need that track because I know it's going to be a banger and it's going to deliver for me when I'm playing. So, you know, it can it can, can go both ways, but I would say it wouldn't go. Um, you mentioned earlier, and I know we do this as well, like you having your own playlist as a, as a DJ, this is something you encourage and kind of, I know your your labels all have them and your artists all have them because we do swaps on a Friday. How important is it for DJs to have their own playlist? I think it's really important because, you know, it's again, you get to the weekend, right, uh, Archie Hamilton, right, we've got his playlist, uh, uh, right, we pop that out and we freshen it up every week with some new tracks, the same amount of tracks overall, but new tracks. People can always go back to his playlist, follow it, or any, any of the labels, all the artists I do. Um, you know, all, I'm very particular about it. It's like, get it updated. So then there's a reason to come back, keep listening, to get to Friday. You know, you might not have a new release out for people to go and buy. But yeah, if you, if you like our music, there'll be some new music for you to go and check out every single Friday. Get, getting in the car on the way back, we're getting on the tube or whatever, coming back, get, get, the, get Spotify on, get it on, plugged in get yourself home, get ready for a big weekend, you know? Um, I think it's really important. Otherwise, people just, they'll 
people want new music. They want to listen to something fresh. So if you don't update it, you don't do it constantly, don't do it repeat, repetitively on the same day, each week, etc. You know, you do it every now and then. People will soon um, go somewhere where somebody does do it. You know, so you've lost a, a potential active follower. So it's really important to do it. I like I like the I like that you use the word active follower. I think I think about active followers loads. Like you see the people with these big numbers, but then how much are their active followers? I love that you're using the active follower term. I think it's all my thoughts all the time. Yeah, because you might have loads. I mean, this is this is one of the things that Spotify uh, do as well. An active an active listener is someone who will sit there and save stuff to their own playlist, and they'll go and listen to it from their own playlist. Listener is someone who will just casually drop on another playlist and sit and go and listen to it, you know? So what the best algorithms for uh, for Spotify is always an active listener because they're the ones that always keep coming back, they're listening, they're doing it themselves, you know? That's, that's, that's where you get the best algorithmic sort of push from. Uh, and, and it's the same with everything, you know? If you've got someone who's always there engaging with you, comes back rather than someone who's more of a voyeur who casually, occasionally comes across, you know, which, which which one's the best fan? Yeah, uh, obviously the active one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Keys, how do you feel about artists that have varied styles of tracks? Does he think you should target one style mainly? If if you've got a, a small fan base, I would say yeah, maybe try and target initially so people know what they're going to get, so they keep coming back and then they can build it before you start throwing in lots of curveballs or different styles. If you've got a a completely eclectic taste, which some people do, and they do play like that, um, then it is a bit more more tricky. But then, you know, if you're going to push for that whole eclectic style, then, you know, if you're not necessarily making it all, then that's a good time to push playlists and things like that so people can and, and enjoy your sort of eclectic sounds and that way you can push it. If you're going to be making uh, a very eclectic tracks, it's quite hard to get people to keep buying... Uh, one week a drum and bass track, one week an electronic one, and then a house track. You know, so it's a bit more harder on a production. But if you're if you're going to play like that more on a, on a on a DJ front, you could definitely do something with it. But maybe try and instead of just always uploading mixes or whatever, try and push up the playlist, and so you people can understand and see where your influences are, and that way then uh, you can concentrate on it in that way if you if you want to do it. Personally, I would try and as a producer, try and have a certain sort of flavor that people will know that genuinely you are. Uh, and then afterwards you can throw in little sort of curveballs in there. So people go, Oh, he's not just a one trick pony. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. That's great. That's, uh, yeah. Someone else is saying great advice. That's cool. Should you, um, should you work closely with a few labels or, uh, instead of kind of, you mentioned earlier about kind of people trying to tick those boxes of spreading tracks around on, on all the labels. Should you work more with a few labels and kind of just get it right with a couple of labels and kind of build into their audiences or should you be kind of scattergunning releases? I mean, if you think normally an artist, if you have one release per month, that's 12 months in a year, you'd be hard pressed to find a label that would put out more than three releases in a year from you. So, you know, that means you need at least four different labels. But if you work between four or five different labels, uh, or maybe six, a couple of releases per, per year with each label, uh, then you've got a good solid fan base of just constantly releasing on really good labels. And then from there, you know, if these labels are doing bookings and things like that, and then you've got, say, maybe say six different label showcases that you can maybe get on board with. Uh, and that way, there's a good base of relationships with people. If you keep jumping around all the time, it will annoy some people 
Uh, and a lot of people will be like, if he's released on that label, we don't really want him. Um, some, uh, some, some labels can be like that. I know, I know, not ones that I run, but I do know a few that'll be like, eh. That's rubbish, isn't it? Holy moly. Do you feel that, uh, okay, so do you feel this is the same for DJs trying to get, do you feel the same what's trying to get? Because, uh, oh, do you, so he's trying to send out his, he's he's a DJ and he's trying to get more gigs and he's sending out mixtapes with his, from his SoundCloud, like SoundCloud. And the first thing is the art of the booker asked him is how many followers do you have? Is this normal? Is this a normal first question? Yes. It will be, yeah. In this day and age, um, it normally is because they want to know how many people that you're likely to bring. Uh, you know, obviously, they can. There's every. There's loads of DJs around these days, and then that name of the game for them is to put bums on seats and get cash over the bar because the promoters just basically getting people through the doors they need to make money themselves the club need to make money behind the bar because that's how they pay the staff so the promoter obviously needs to be able to fill the club so the club makes money so they get they can come back and do their 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 brand shows there again so they're going to pass this on to the djs and say how many followers have you got are you likely to be able to fill the venue or at least shift a load of tickets along with the other guys that we uh we are booking you know it's normal if you've got no followers it's very very difficult to get that sort of start off with so yeah it's it's yeah it's, it's never easy but you've mm. got to try, you've got to start somewhere, but it is normal that promoters will ask. And that's what I was saying about the whole Spotify thing. Because obviously if you've got shitloads of followers on there, they're going to instantly think, right, this is a, an easier sell for me. Who are they going to pick <laughs> at the end of the day? Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Do you have to, re- should you register with HMRC if you're going to be a full-time producer, uh, just in case he takes the plunge one day? I suppose, no, but it depends on how much you're earning, really. If you're if you're invoicing over a certain yeah, the, the the legal tax amount, then yeah, you probably should register with them. But that's more of a question for an accountant, if I'm honest. Yeah, it's uh, it depends. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're doing like five gigs a year and you're getting fifty quid a gig, then no, definitely not. You know, that's get that in your back pocket. And I, you know, it depends. Um, if you've got an invoice for the gigs, a lot of people do want invoices these days. If you've got an invoice, you know, and you're still under the tax threshold, then I don't see why you'd need to do that. It's different here in Spain. <laughs> they get you over a barrel here. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, it cost me a fortune um, to be self-employed here. You'd be amazed. Uh, you know, if you don't have to, and it's not legally, you're not legally going past that legal tax amount, then uh, I would say don't bother. One thing I was going to ask, actually, before we still talk about that, is uh, should you be... Re- should you release records in December and do you kind of see it as a month where you just it's it's difficult to release records it is difficult to as you said I've had a, 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 this conversation with one of my clients today actually it's not the best month if I'm honest but it's not a bad month less people will re- normally release a little bit less definitely don't release after the second week of the year of the month sorry because by then everything has you know like this year the 16th is going to be the last release that i i do after mm-hmm. that there's no spotify playlist updates because everyone's on holiday chances of getting any radio plays are very slim just because everyone's in full mariah carey mode and they're not going to come back from that until jan mid-jan you will get some people buying tracks 
for gigs over New Year and Christmas and stuff like that. So there is sales to be had. If you're doing something of a much more commercial nature and you're looking for those radio plays, you're looking for that more Spotify thing, yeah, don't bother. You know what I mean? But you can get away. I mean, we got the 2nd, the 9th, and the 16th this year. I've got releases on each one, although the sooner you get it out, the better in my mind. Although if you get one out on the 16th and you get a whole load of editorials on it, and uh, they're not going to update those editorial playlists for three weeks, Hey, bonus. You yes. know, you're going to be sat for three weeks. So, yeah, it swings and roundabouts. But I would try and I would try and avoid it where possible, if I'm honest. It's not the best month, but it's not a bad month. If you're doing super underground music, you know, that's not really radio friendly anyway, then and it's just you're only looking to get sales or your sort of band camp thing, it's not a bad month, you know, because people are still going to be looking for new music for New Year. That's a good point. Um, if you pitch music to a label and they like it, but will they refuse releasing it if they see you have low Instagram numbers and followers? I'll be honest. The guys that I work with, generally like Danny's everything, uh, he's picked up a couple of uh, tracks from people who've had no tracks, got no profile. He doesn't care. It's a banger. I'll take it. Mm. He just doesn't care. As long as it's a good track. Certain other labels will be like, no, they ain't got the stats. They ain't got the following. It depends on the label. And the label owner, if I'm honest, you know, literally, I know, I know, Forest, like we've got another one coming, you know, it's, it's, it's their first ever release. They might not have any numbers on Instagram or very few, and he's fine with that. There'll be other clients that I've got that'll be like, man, that's a tough ask. It depends. It depends on the style and it depends on the owner. It's very, it's a, diff- it's a difficult question. I guess, I guess with like Dan, he's obviously actively playing and he can build records in clubs because he's playing so many gigs. Uh, same with things like Archie, I guess. Yeah, Archie's the same. He'll sit there and he's like, I like that track and I've been playing it for months and it's a weapon. Let's sign it. You know, uh, it just depends. If you're going, you're going on a more of a, uh, a commercially viable kind of label that's not so artist led, should we say? Nothing, doesn't necessarily mean like a commercial sound, but just more something that's, that's, that's a brand as opposed to artist led. They probably will look at something more like the numbers because they haven't got someone who's sat there playing it week in, week out. You know, that's basically building the hype themselves. Uh, so, yeah, if, if, if you've got very low numbers and things like that, but you've got an absolute weapon, send it maybe towards um, an artist-led uh, label with someone who's going to be, be able to sit there and play it them, themselves week in, week out and build that hype. Pass it off to their mates and say, hey, this is a banger. Be playing it nonstop. Can you help us, you know, get it get it in your sets yourself, you know, and that way you can build up that way. Is there, is there kind of, I know with, say, for instance, Dan and Archie, is there a kind of, you send them the track and then they sit with it for, like, is there a kind of given period where they'll sit with it and go, right, now, like, as an artist, should you sit allow, like, four or five weeks with that, with that person? Because that's how long it's going to take them to kind of make a decision or... You know, because I know from like one of our one of our viewers, they might be going, "Shit, I've sent a track off. It was two weeks. What should I do? Should I should I shop it to another label?" Or I've had this and the same with uh, Mason Collective as well. Uh, we had one. We had one recently. We got sent over. Blair was was trying it out. He said, "Yes, yeah, bang! I love it." I said, "This is a wicked track. We are definitely up for signing." And it said to the guy, "Hold it." And then you know. Blair, like they, most of these guys, they want to try it out for a few weeks, you know. They, whilst we have been in the beef season, there's lots of dates, non-stop, midweek, weekend, etc. They still want to try it out in various situations. They might not be able to play it every single gig, but they want to try it out. Um, so you've got to give them a little while. And um, unfortunately, somebody else decided to a VA. Uh, I'm like, oh, uh, that'll be a waste. of It's a waste of a great track, if I'm honest. 
But, you know, you've got to give these guys time. You know, they, 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 they are touring a lot. They want to make sure the track works. They want to make sure that they're 100%. If you want to be on the best labels, you've got to give them time if, if, you, if you want that. If you want to just get tracks out nonstop all the time, you know, you can do that, but you probably won't end up on the better labels because those labels will take time before signing because they want to make sure it's a great track. You know, I would say maybe at least four weeks. You know, you can keep in touch with them and say, hey, did they try them out? How did it go? Or maybe you can hit them up via Instagram. Don't be pushy. That's another thing. Don't, don't, don't hassle them. You know, I get, I've had people send me uh, a demo via email, a demo via Instagram. Then they follow up with a WhatsApp, follow up with Facebook Messenger, chase me on SoundCloud. It's like, fucking hell, give me room to breathe, man. You know, I get that you're keen, but you know, you, if if someone's playing your track and say, "Hey, thanks for, for liking my track," you know, Graham told me, for example, that you said you're going to try out. I hope you like it. Maybe they'll follow you. Maybe they'll come back and say, "Yeah, I like it." Then you can get a bit more personal interaction, kind of thing. Um, but if you become too pushy and and basically almost feel like you're hounding someone, then uh, yeah, that's not a good look. Wicked. I think we're there, dude. Thank you so much for doing this. This has been amazing fun. Yeah, so many insights. You're right in the chat. Yes, thank you so much for doing it, dude. Um, and I hope you have a great rest of the week and, uh, and uh, I'll probably see you after Christmas so have a great Christmas <laughs> seems nice nice one. To do that. thanks guys take it easy enjoy <laughs>